ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Lauren and Allie Schrag of Good Bull Outdoors again. Uh, this time we kind of break away from the norm and don't talk uh, Good Bulls photos or uh, hunting too much. We talk about growing your social media platform. Tons of pearls. Enjoy the episode. So we are on with Lauren and Ali Schrag. Folks, good evening. I appreciate you taking the time to sit with me again. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Um so kind of a different topic, right? Usually it's photography and videography and how do you take such bad A pictures of elk and mule deer and everything out in Colorado. Um, but we're going to tap into some social media uh, growth, I guess, um, for the lack of a better phrase, and, and how to manage and grow our platforms um, in particular for me on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought it was a great idea to uh, go ahead and turn this into a podcast. Just a, a quick little session about uh, things you're doing right, things you're doing wrong, and things you can be doing better. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you give give everybody some background, right? So we posted some questions, and a lot of folks don't know that you know you spent a lot of time researching algorithms and how hashtags work and the analytics and things like that everybody's used to seeing those you know those good bull pictures so why don't you give us a little background you bet so my uh, my my technical background i actually have a a degree in business administration and management information systems so my first job out of college was as a database administrator and programmer. So the analytics side of things, dealing with databases, dealing with how these programs are built, is uh, really kind of uh, you know right in my forte. Um, I've been doing uh, IT now for almost 19 years, and uh, and so you know trying to understand what's going on in the background of these applications is just 
it's kind of something that comes naturally to me. And in addition to that, um, I've also really gotten in the habit of the last, uh, uh, last couple of years about actually grabbing all the analytics that I can and doing some some real testing and using numbers to uh, ferret out whether or not um, my hypotheses are accurate or not uh, based on A-B testing. You're going to have to forgive me, man. I'm, I'm giggling because it's so cool. And as much as I expected you geeked out on it, I didn't expect it was <laughs> to that level. So with... So you you also offer management of pages, right? And I do. Yeah, I, I I manage a few pages for other for other accounts as well. So I it's phenomenal when you post. You know, this is the growth we've seen in five weeks. We've seen this. So if you can give us a little background on that, just to bring your previous statement of the background full circle and what all that research has shown. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we're tracking everything from the quantity of followers to uh, the amount of reach, the profile of visits, website clicks, um, impressions, and we're, you know, highs, lows, that sort of thing. And and we're tracking those every week and we're able to aggregate those. We aggregate them up for a monthly basis, um, not just for Goodbull, but also for the clients that we manage as well. Um, you know, probably one of the uh, you know, more prominent clients that we manage right now is uh, the Colorado BHA page, which when we took it over um, about three months ago, it was sitting at about 1,900 followers. And I think we're up to about 6,800 now. In a month? In about three months. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I, I guess let's go through the, the basic tenets of it, right? What, you know, the regularity, times, dates, postings, things like that. And then we, I'll just let you run, run free and give us the rundown of, you know, what's working, what's not working, what, what we should be doing in particular. Me. So, <laughs> yeah, let me just go ahead and jump in. I'll, you know, I do, I offer like free Instagram reviews for, uh, for anybody that wants one, obviously, you know, we're, we're looking for paid clients, but, uh, we're also more than happy to help anybody that wants to, uh, to just, you know, grow their own account. And, um, you know, what I tell people is that I offer the knowledge freely, but if they, uh, you know, if they need somebody to spend the time to, you know, actually go through the process of posting and managing those hashtag strategies and doing the AB testing that, you know, it's required to really maximize the growth on their account. then I charge for that, but I'm willing to give anybody that wants to the, the knowledge of how to grow their account and, and how to grow it as quickly as their content uh, can grow it. And uh, your, your account is actually a great example of one where you're, you're leaving a lot of growth on the table. Um, you've got one of these types of accounts that has growth potential from a couple of different factors. So the fact that you've got an Instagram account is, is good. The fact that you're active is good. Uh, but you've also got a podcast, which is now driving in a source of followers from another location. That's things that, that, that a lot of other accounts don't have. And it's, um, I would say, something that's a little bit um, underutilized with your account. So you're sitting at about 2,216 followers as I'm looking at it right now. and the top three things that I always tell everybody is um, the hardest one is frequency of posting. Um, if you can post two times a day, that's ideal. Um, sometimes three times a day. And most people are like, geez, I'm lucky if I can post two or three times a week. Um, so really what that gets down to is, you know, what, what content do you have and what content can you curate? So 
there's lots of great posts out there. You know, Good Bull Outdoors, just as one example, our own page, you know, we're putting content out there. I'm posting two or three times a day and we're, we're putting out these, these great photos. And there's lots of other photographers like us out there that's putting out these, this great content that if you just take a look at uh, the number of likes on it out there, you can see that content which is doing well and that which isn't. Um, any hashtag that you look at as well, you can go out there and you can see which posts are doing well, which, uh, which images are doing well for various hashtags. And um, if you can get permission to use those, and a lot of pages, a lot of photographers like, uh, like myself, like Untamed Images uh, by Jason Loftus, um, uh, BP Outdoor Photography, there's lots of different photographers out there that are more than willing to allow you to share their images on social media as long as you're giving linked credit back to them. And, and that linked credit is using the at symbol along with their account name so that somebody can click on it and then go and see their page and follow them if, if, uh, if they like the content that they see. So being able to curate images from other sites really allows you to do a couple of things. Um, the first one is it gives you great content that is going to resonate with your audience. And the second thing it's going to do is it's going to create a relationship with that content creator um, that, you know, actually allows you to have, uh, you know, comments that are going to be on your page, you know, thanking, thanking you for reposting their, uh, their content. Uh, those comments end up driving, you know, further driving up the impressions and the reach that that post gets. Um, but then they're also, uh, you're creating a relationship with that photographer that, um, you know, you've got somebody that you can go and talk to when you end up at one of the trade shows like the Western uh, Conservation Hunting Expo or something like that. So it, it really helps you both in the industry as well as creating that organic growth that uh, that everybody's looking for. I, I, I tell people, you know, you're not going to get your money's worth out of paid advertising. The, the Facebook and the Instagram uh, posts that you pay for, um, if you're selling something, it, it's good for getting in front of a lot of people. But if you're just looking to grow, if you grow organically, you're going to be able to grow just as quickly. And um, typically, you you don't run into issues that you that you run into if you uh, actually pay Instagram or Facebook for those uh, sponsored posts. And what I mean by that is, let's take your page for example. Anytime you have text within the image of a, of a post that you put up there, Instagram sees that as something that you may be trying to advertise for, and they're going to, in their algorithm, suppress the amount of reach and the number of impressions that you're getting. Uh, in order to try to force you into paying for that advertising, quote unquote. So if you get into the habit of starting to pay them for it, then you'll start to see times where you will be artificially held back to try to get you to re-sponsor another post again. And it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's almost like a drug, drug addict. You know, you start getting weaned off it and you're like, you know, I, I need to get some more. So you, you pony up the money and you, you get the, that boost in followers and you get the boost in, in impressions and reach and, and then starts wearing off again. So, so I got a quick question on that. So, you know, like my, my episode post, right. It, it's typically, you know, like this one would be, you know, Lauren Shag, you know, and, and then Western Contours um, on that image. Now, <clears throat> if I did that as a secondary image, you know, selected multiple and had, you know, maybe one of just you, and then the second one is the episode cover, does that affect it the same way? No, but uh, so multiple images are called carousels on Instagram, and, and carousels tend to not do as well as single posts. So you're almost better off having a, a really good single image mm -hmm. and then saying what you want to say in the, in, in the, the context. Okay. 
Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I'm sorry. Go for it. No, no, that's good. So, so that's probably the number one is, is frequency of posting. And, and I kind of explained how you can, you know, fix your, your lack of content issue, which a, a lot of people, you know, don't really think about curating content from, from other sources. Um, so number one is, is the frequency. And if you can get over that hurdle, if you can post at least once a day. Um, and I, I think you, you've probably po- posted just enough to see that if you can keep up with once a day, every day, like seven days a week for about two to three weeks, you start seeing incremental gains. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like climbing a ladder. Like, you know, every day that you do it, you go one more step up. The problem is that once you miss a day, it's like sliding way down. If you're, if you're way high, you slide down part way. If you're, you know, if you miss a couple of days, then you're going to fall all the way back to the bottom again. Elk and then you got killed me. What's that? Elk season killed me. Oh, yeah. It's it's rough on a lot of people. And I've got a solution for you now. Um, Up until a few weeks ago, we didn't have a solution, but there is one now. I'll I'll, I'll talk to you about it after we get through these three. So you get this frequency of posting. You're posting every day. Now, you know, you got to start look at um, the hashtags that you're using. And hashtag strategies are kind of a big thing, right? Um, I, I think one of the most misunderstood things about hashtags is people think that they need to choose a hashtag that sounds appropriate for what they're posting. And I'm going to actually take a look at one of your posts here, if I can give you a specific example. Be nice. <laughs> okay, so, so from where we're at right now, two posts back, right? You've got the first one is hashtag podcast, right? So you've got about 2,000 followers. And if I open up hashtag podcast, if you do this on your phone right now and you take a look at the content in here, hashtag podcast, the types of things that show up in the, uh, in the top category are nearly naked women and uh, posts with words on them like memes and that sort of thing. And I see almost no content that is similar to what it is that you're posting. And so what that tells me is that the algorithm that Instagram is using is saying top posts for this particular hashtag, even though it sounds very relevant to what you're posting, your content's not going to show up well because it doesn't match what is currently in the top posts for that very for that particular uh, hashtag. So as as relevant as that is, I would actually advise you to avoid using that hashtag. Okay. Yeah. And I'm looking at that right now and wow. (laughs) Yeah. And the second thing to think about, if you look all the way up at the top up there, hashtag podcast has 8.7 million posts. Right. So So I'm just drowned out. You're being drowned. Absolutely. So if your content isn't possible to show up, let's just say in the top 50 posts. And I would say, really, ideally, you want to be as much as you can in the top 15. So if you can't show up, if you don't have a realistic chance of showing up in the top 15, drop it from your list of of hashtags to use. Wow, that's something else. What's weird about that is you look at it and, and yeah, there's no, I mean, the first one is Bikini Babe. And it, yeah, okay. This is, that's a trip, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not what you expect. No, not at all. I mean, there is, I think you have to go down maybe whew, 15, 16 lines to see three people behind a microphone. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Interesting. So like I said, there's so many people that are using hashtags that while it's 100% relevant to the content that they're putting out there, it's, it's not re- relevant in Instagram's eyes simply because of what other people are utilizing it for. So, so that's, that's one great example. And I'll just go to the next hashtag, which is hashtag hunting. Now, this is content that is going to match the kind of stuff that you're doing. It's, it's outdoors. It's related to elk and deer. And I'm seeing antelope and bear and upland bird hunting. Great stuff. Re- really re- relevant. Problem that we have here is that we've got a, a hashtag with 11.4 million posts. So it doesn't mean that it's impossible for you to show up in the top here, but you would have to have really high-performing content, really exceptional content in order to make it into that top section. So it's not bad to put this, and basically what I tell people is you want about 20% small hashtags, 20% large hashtags, and 60% kind of right in the middle. And, And for an account your size, what we're talking about with those small hashtags is you know, we're talking anywhere from 500 to about 10,000. And then that middle range, that 60% of your content or 60% of your hashtags, you're looking at about 10,000 to about 100 or 150,000. And then that other 20%, you're looking at larger than, uh, you know, larger than about 150,000. Yeah. So like if you're talking about elk hunting, hashtag elk, I think is about 1.1 million. That one's going to be in that, in that upper echelon, um, in that upper 20%. So I recommend that people generally put 16 to 24 hashtags on every post. And I also recommend that people create hashtag strategies based on what it is that they're uh, attempting to post. And it really has more to do with the image necessarily than the, the text that they have in there. So if somebody looks at your at the image that you posted, what's relevant to that image? And that's kind of how Instagram determines who shows up in the top post. And I know some of these, you actually do show up in, in the top section. Um, I'm trying to think if I can remember... Okay, yeah. So if you look at hashtag lamb down, this is a great example for you. So this is in the 5,000 plus range. So 5,000 posts on this one. First few, the first few posts aren't up there, but if you start getting down there, I think third line. Yeah, I see your one is number eight. Yeah. Or you've got a couple in the top nine, it looks like. So, So this is a great example of. This is where you want to show up. You want to show up in the top page if you can, which is the top nine. That's that's ideal. You want to show up in the top nine for the largest posts that you can reasonably expect or the largest hashtags that you can reasonably expect to show up in. And the more hashtags that you can show up in the top nine, the more likely you are to be seen and recognized by people who do not follow you and get impressions, reach, and additional followers because they're now seeing your content. You're not lost in the sea. Yeah, and I pretty much own this one, especially when you get past like that fourth line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is my tagline, so. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's good. So that means that that one's really resonating. So you definitely got one that you want to keep here. And so, so you keep this one in your in your list of regular hashtags to use, along with uh, your you know hashtag Western Contours podcast. And then you start building on that, saying, oh, oh, you know, put it in a spreadsheet, put a checkbox next to it, saying, yeah, this is both relevant and I show up well in this hashtag. Now start 
curating other hashtags that you do well with and you'll start to build up a list. And that's kind of what I've done over time is for mule deer, for elk, uh, for antelope, for whitetail. I've created hashtags specific to each one of these species um, that I post about in, in our in our photographs. And I've basically curated lists and I've, I've eliminated ones that don't do well and I've added ones that, that do well over time. And that's allowed me to uh, basically create a list that, that tends to do pretty well for just about any post that I put up. Wow. Now, now when we so, talk, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go, no, go ahead. So You're good. with the, uh, I lost my train of thought that fast. I got so many freaking questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, so the repetition in the hashtag now, you know, that, that 16 to 20, are we using the same hashtags over and over? Or are we curating another, should we like mix it up? <laughs> amongst those you know and break that that you know 20 20 60 down um you know maybe mixing it up every other day every couple of days or something with those posts how's that work so for us with and it's, it's 16 to 24 um you can do up to 30 but I, I really recommend that you don't go above that if you go up to like 26 or something that's not going to matter but i wouldn't go up to like 28 29 30 um but for those uh for those hashtags um it's like every day, um, every day starts over again. So if you've got a set of hashtags that you find works, you can post that set of hashtags once a day. And, and what you want to do, for example, we'll, we typically, if we post three times a day, you'll usually see two elk photos and one of something else, either mule deer, whitetail, um, pictures of us, uh, you know, out hunting, something like that. So what we do is we actually have two different sets of elk hashtags because of the frequency that we use them. And we only repeat a couple of hashtags across those. So uh, what you want to do is you want to have different sets of hashtags that maybe have a couple of them that repeat throughout, like your catchphrases, hashtag um, lay them down. If you want to use that every time you post, you can. If you only post once a day, you can curate essentially, you know, one or two good sets that, you know, kind of are doing well for you and use that every single day. but if you're posting twice a day, then you're going to want to change things up a little more. So that was, uh, so we got our hashtag strategy. What's number three? So number three is tagging within the post itself. So one of the things that you'll notice, and, and you actually do a good job at this. If, if we take a look at yours, if I tap on one of your images, I see that you're tagging a lot of different accounts there. Uh, one of the things that, that tagging other accounts does for your posts is it automatically puts it in front of the, the person that you tag. So you can tag 20 different accounts per post. If you're posting 365 days a year, that's you know 365 times 20 that you can show up in front of somebody and increase your reach. If they're not following you, if, if there's somebody that you want to potentially repost your content, and, and that's a really good way to grow as well, is put content out there that other people want to repost. So if you get reposted, that means you're getting exposed to all of their followers as well. That's a bigger pool that you can use to, to grow. Um, I'll give you one example. So Cabela's reposted one of our images um, when we were still only maybe like six or 8,000. And at the time, I think in two days, we grew 250 followers. So simply by being reposted by another large account, and I think at the time they were just over a million followers, um, that can really help you grow in followers, reach, and, and impressions as well. 
Um, so that's, that's one great way to, to look at those tags. The other great way is, and I think what a lot of people don't get about this is they, they think I'm tagging this, um, this entity or this account, uh, because I want them to see my stuff. What they don't realize is some of the analytics things going on in the background. Instagram uses those accounts that you are tagging in your post to determine a set of followers who may also want to follow you. So if your post is doing well compared to your typical post, then what Instagram will do is say, I've, you know, I've shown this to a lot of the followers for this particular account. So I've shown this to a lot of Western Contours followers. This post is doing really well with his following. Now, who else should I show this, this given post to, uh, to see if it also does well with a wider audience? And the way they do that, at least one of the ways that they do that is by the tags that you're using. So what you want to think about with your tagging strategy is not just who do I want to see this, but also whose audience do I want to curate as well? Who do I want to, who, who has a great following that I want to now follow me as well? So that's why it's actually not a bad idea to, and, and maybe some people will disagree with me that, that, that this is, uh, is not kosher, so to speak, but uh, tagging your competitors. Um, if you tag your competitors, you're actually exposing your content to their followers. So it is a way to grow, and they, you're starting to get a little bit into the ethics of it. Um, and I would say I typically wouldn't do that. There are other accounts to tag that you can still be exposed to the same audience without necessarily tagging your competitors directly. And um, that's probably the better way to go, and that's really where I go with you know with our stuff and with our paid accounts. But um, you know, we really don't consider ourselves as having competitors. Competitive. I was the, thinking the same in thing. The photography space. Uh, we have we have a lot of friends in the photography space, so we'll we'll tag folks that uh, you know that we're friends with that we want to see in a particular image. We may be asking for uh, you know for them to take a look at it and, and give us a, a review of the image. We may simply want to show them something that we found. We may want to show them an animal. Maybe they're coming out to photograph with us in a couple of weeks and we want them to see an animal that, that we're going to try to photograph when they come out and we go shoot together. So we, we really don't have that issue of, uh, of necessarily competitors, but for other accounts that are particularly businesses selling the product, we'll, we'll try to stay away from directly tagging their competitors. And what we'll do is uh, we create um, strategies around tagging such as you know, if you're in the outdoors industry, there's lots of different optics companies. So if you're not directly sponsored by an optics company, there's probably a good 10 or 12 optics companies that you can tag. So what we do is we break it down by industry. There's going to be bow manufacturers, um, arrow manufacturers. Uh, there's going to be rifle companies. There's going to be uh, boot companies. There's going to be tent companies, backpack companies, basically you name it. If, if it's a product that's on a shelf, there's multiple companies out there that all have an Instagram account and that you can quickly think about. Like, let's just say, for example, we use backpack companies. If I asked you to name three backpack companies, you could probably do that real quickly off the top of your head. The problem with trying to find 20 posts to tag every time is trying to remember 20 different accounts that you want to tag. It becomes a lot easier if you can, say, remember four different types of accounts that you want to tag, and you can remember what those five accounts are underneath each one of those four. So if I want to say, this time I'm going to tag optics companies and I'm going to tag boot companies. And then my second post of the day, I'm going to tag uh, broadhead companies and I'm going to tag uh, bow manufacturers. So now I've been exposed to a bunch of different areas within the outdoors industry 
I've been exposed to their following um, that's a pretty wide base. And by mixing it up, I ex- get exposed to basically the entire outdoors industry. Don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, making any one particular uh, account annoyed with me by, by, you know, repeatedly tagging them over and over and over again. I was going to ask yeah. you if there's a rule of, of how often you should tag the same. Definitely not more than once a day. And if you're only posting once a day, I'd spread it out even more than that. And I'm sure if someone had a problem, they may reach out. <laughs> yeah, typically they'd send you a DM and they'd, they'd politely ask to not be to not be tagged in things. And as long as I've been doing this, I've only been asked to not tag an account three times. And you guys post and post. Yeah. And, and not, and I mean, that goes not just for us, but also the accounts that we're managing as well. So, you know, when you, when you take all the accounts that we're posting, all the posts that we're putting up, I mean, we're, we're doing thousands a year and I've only been asked three times to, to not tag somebody. That's encouraging. Uh, that, and that's one of the yeah. things that I worry about, right? Is like, well, you know, these, you know, what are, what are they going to think? And then like the competitor thing, <clears throat> I don't see it. I don't see it as competition, right? For me, it's, you know, we're hunters, we're outdoorsmen, outdoors women. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure somebody would, you know, get out of your peon or something. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's some good insight, man. Yeah, definitely. So that's the three rules. I just filled up three pages of notes that fast. (laughs) (laughs) So understanding the analytics, right? That's one of the things like, you you know, you sit there and go, you really have to, in in my opinion, to learn this, to grow it, you have to understand the analytics and you have to be willing to put that data on a spreadsheet or jot it down and and understand what your posts are doing. That seems to be as important as following those three rules to me. It definitely helps. I mean, the ability to do, I mean, basically look at Instagram as, as marketing. That's exactly what it is. You are marketing your product or your service out to people who want to partake in that, in that product or service. And just like any marketing company would do, they gather analytics and they do AB testing to determine the success of their reach out to their audience. And it doesn't take very much. I mean, honestly, building a spreadsheet, and if you want, I can supply you a spreadsheet. I can send it to you and you can put it in the notes or something um, that people can use on, on what I track on a weekly basis and they can start using that spreadsheet and they can start filling it out. Um, and, yeah, and it, it literally takes like five, 10 minutes. If, if it's just Instagram, it takes about five minutes to grab all the, all the data once a week. I, I do it on Mondays and I'm, I'm emailing all of my clients out on Mondays, what their analytics are for the week. Um, but you know, you can check trends, you can see how many impressions that you're getting, um, you know, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing that to think about is that, you know, a lot of people, if you're wanting to get sponsored, if, if that's what you're out there to do, um, if you're wanting to, to grow a business with uh, with Instagram and the outdoor industry, or if you're simply wanting to simply be more well-known in the outdoor industry, um, it's not about, quote unquote, just getting a big following. We've got, we've got 30,000 followers on Instagram. We've got 18,000 on Facebook. But 
I, I will tell you right now that the most valuable followers that we have are the ones that comment and message us on a regular basis. Engagement. It's, it's not about even the number of likes. It's about the number of people who actively engage in your content and, and whom you actively engage with as well. And I think you've probably seen that as well. If you look at the number of followers that you have and you look at your feed on a regular basis, I think we've got over 2,000 uh, people that we follow now. But there's only a handful that show up regularly. And that's because those are the ones that we engage with regularly. The ones who comment on your pages, you will show up in their, uh, in their top posts when they go on Instagram every time if they regularly engage with your account. So the more you can get people to comment on your page, uh, comment on your posts, send you messages, uh, the higher you're going to show up and you're going to have basically what you would call your quote-unquote repeat customers. And and that is so huge for for driving that continued growth uh, with real people, not with not with robots and not with people that are just, you know, out there for, for whatever they're out there to do to just, you know, feel like they've got lots of people liking them or whatever. You're actually driving real people and creating real relationships. And, and the way that we see this is, you know, these are people that we want to go hunting with. These are people that we want to go take pictures with. These are people that, you know, are potentially social media clients for us, potentially, uh, you know, hunting clients that want to, you know, pay us to go and, and take photographs or video of, of hunts that they're doing in the fall. So they're, they're people that we want to engage in because we want to be active in the outdoors industry. So, and it just popped in my head as you were talking about all that, the, the save tab, how important is that in that, in that whole scheme? Where they, where they save your, your content? Yes. How does that play to the analytics? It's definitely one of the components. So saves, forwards, um, I, I think probably the most powerful thing is actually comments and, and not the comments that you put necessarily in response. Although I do highly recommend that you do respond to the folks that are, uh, you know, that are, that are commenting, particularly if they ask a question, if they're, if they're just making a comment, you know, it can be something as, as simple as an emoji with a fish, this bump or something like that. But, you know, really, if somebody asks you a question, we try to respond to every question that, that people put up on every one of our posts or that they send us uh, via DM, uh, because that really does create a, a, a stronger engagement. Um, and so you know, the saves and the, and the, the forwards, those definitely help boost that algorithm, that score that Instagram uses to determine, you know, how far and wide to distribute your post. Um, but the comments are, are really king in, in, in that, uh, in that aspect. Now the, in the com, I mean, for me, if somebody comments, I comment back, right there, there's a relationship and you guys know me to a point, right. And you know, I take the hunting community. It's personal for me, right? I love it. I love hunters. I love outdoorsmen. I love outdoors women. So when I comment, it's because I'm taking the time because you said something to me. How how important is that response? And I even heard that the timing and using emojis as you're commenting back is kind of a a bad thing to do, if you will. It, it hurts those numbers. Responding back doesn't doesn't hurt the numbers. Um, and and using emojis, the only way that I would see that. It, using emojis would necessarily be a bad thing is if you've got somebody who, you know, writes you, you know, a really nice thank you and you just do, you know, like a fist bump emoji in return, it's going to come off as, yeah, you're not building a relationship with anything you're hurting on. Um, so I tend to, if I'm responding back on a comment, I tend to try to keep it uh, quid pro quo. So if they, if they write a nice, 
you know, message to us, I try to, um, if I have time to respond to it, I, I will, you know, write a nice message back. And unfortunately we post enough that, um, comments end up getting like drugged further down into our feed. And so I don't get to see all of them all the time. Sometimes I go back and like see comments that have been posted on past posts that we don't have a, a chance to keep up with. But, um, Definitely, if we're if we're actively commenting on on or actively responding to comments that we're getting, uh, I try to I try to gear it where we are responding in kind. If it's if it's a, a heartfelt message, we try to give a heartfelt message back. If it's just a you know a couple of emojis like you know three fire emojis or something, you know it's it's a thumbs up and a fist bump um, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at this thing. Instagram, and, and I, I believe that you had commented or you were experimenting with the censorship or the suppression of our demographic and, and the hashtags we use in our post. And, you know, there's a lot of, you'll see uh, what to us, you know, is a, a backstrap, somebody holding a backstrap and then that's getting suppressed. And, you know, how does that affect the image? How does the image and the hashtag affect um the, the relevance of that post via Instagram since we're, you know, I don't know to call it a conspiracy or a theory or whatever it is. Yeah. So 2019 is, is really the year of censorship for, for hunting and outdoors accounts on Instagram. And I think that's really what is driving a lot of growth in, in apps like, uh, like go wild. Uh, we're, we're actually on the go wild app. I think we're getting ready. Either we've crossed a hundred or we're getting ready to, uh, across 100 followers on there. So it's that app is really getting some traction. And the reason is that, I mean, this year really Instagram has been um, really limiting the impressions on hashtags for a lot of content for, for outdoors based accounts. And it's, I have not found any one thing in particular that has led to this happening. Uh, what I have found is that it's, it is based on outdoors accounts um, and it must be related somehow to the hashtags that are being utilized. Given my, my database administrator and programmer background, my theory is that they have created a quote-unquote sensitive table, and they have identified counts, uh, accounts with, across Instagram that are creating content that is potentially deemed by an audience that's not following them to be of a sensitive nature. And what they're doing as a result of this is limiting the exposure of new accounts to that content by eliminating or virtually eliminating the quantity of pages or accounts that see uh, your posts by the hashtags that you're using. So really what this means for us as, as outdoors accounts, as hunters, and I think we probably saw this uh, probably the most severely about three, four weeks ago, um, we posted a video and that video instantly became sensitive content. And this was the real tell for me that immediately upon posting it, it became sensitive and, and blurred out. I only one time before this ever had any content marked as sensitive. And it was that, that video of the cow elk that uh, ate the gosling. And, and I could see why some people would mark that sensitive. You know, they don't want to see an animal actively eaten, particularly a baby animal. Uh, despite the fact that that's very much just us capturing and, and showing people real nature as opposed to the, the Disney uh, version that they want to see. Um, 
But anyway, I, I think the act of us getting marked sensitive for that video put us into this category now where all of our content is under scrutiny. Every video that we've posted since then has gotten virtually zero impressions from hashtags. We used to get 60 to 80% of our impressions from hashtags on videos. So that, that took us our formerly highest viewed uh, video in 2018 received something on the order of 100,000 views on Instagram. And I think somewhere around 7,600 likes. And if I post that same one today, I cannot get more than about 10,000, maybe tops 15,000 views. And every one of those views, except for maybe 1% to 2%, is going to be people that are already following me. And that's true of every video that I post now. In addition... Yeah, from yeah, because of one post. So somehow or other, I've gotten dumped into this table that a lot of other outdoors accounts have. Not that I'm complaining about it. I'm I'm not going to quit. You know, putting hunting related content up there. You know, if you look at our posts, if you look at our captions, you see you know the little bow emoji on on every one of our captions. We use it to separate out the uh, you know the text from the from the hashtags, and we do it so that people are very clear that we are despite the fact that we do wildlife photography and videography for a lot of our posts, we are a hunting account. We are pro hunting. We're pro second amendment. Um, we support conservation organizations, uh, you know, backcountry hunters and anglers, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. That's why we're on Instagram. This is to be in the outdoors industry, not just put up, you know, pretty pictures of pretty animals and, and uh, cater to the, you know, quote unquote Bambi crowd. Mm-hmm. And you know, you bring that up, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, hashtag conservation i mean that one that one spawns more hate from the antis than i think anything that i've seen um and i you know i'm sure you have more more insight to that than me but man i think it does more to touch you know pull their heartstrings right out of their chest than you know hashtag in two way or second amendment or anything yeah well you know, I think the problem with uh, with the term conservation is um, that a lot of uh, a lot of people really do not understand what the term means. If you're looking at uh, you know the anti hunting uh, vegan crowd, um, you know whichever camp they fall in, where they don't uh, they don't agree with hunting, uh, they've really mixed up the term conservation with preservation. Uh, conservation very simply is utilizing a resource and managing it. Uh, preservation is what they really want, which is no utilization of that resource. They want them to, you know, uh, live free and, and, you know, experience their life without, you know, any harm coming to them. Um, and, and, you know, I think in, in their mind, that's, you know, the, the wolves and the, and the elk getting along and, the, you know, the coyotes <laughs> and, the, and the pheasants, you know, out there, uh, you know, prancing in the middle of a field. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's not nature and it's, it's not right. And it's, it's an inaccurate use of the term. And unfortunately, they use conservation to really mean preservation when they should really know the difference. Right. And they have the numbers that impact, you know, that algorithm. Um, so their relevance in it to me seems like it's higher than what we're posting as, you know, quote unquote, true conservationist. Well, and that goes back to what I said about like that hashtag podcast thing where as relevant as it sounds, it isn't. what really matters is who's posting to it. Who owns that? Is it the hunters or is it the, the anti-hunters? 
and and there's battleground, there's middle ground there where you know both sides are posting to a to a particular hashtag and and they're duking it out on which one's going to win. There's others that are you know clearly hunting hashtags, um, and there's others that are that are clearly anti-hunting hashtags. So, yeah, it really becomes relevance based on you know who's using it the most. Um. So quantity. Quantity versus quality. Okay, so that's a thing that I've heard people struggle with and I struggle with myself. Is there one that's more important? I don't want to just post something to post something because I need to do three posts today. Um, what's How does that play into the whole growth aspect of it? Yeah, so I would say given the, given the ability to curate good content from people that are more than willing to share it, there's really no excuse to not post the quantity that you need, which is at a minimum once a day. Um, so there are lots of people. And I mean, I could, I could create a list of them uh, of photographers that have just absolutely top notch photographs that are more than willing to share their photographs on social media, not necessarily, you know, web use and that sort of thing, because they still need to get paid for their images. Um, you know, they still need to get paid for, for web use and, and advertisement use. And, and they offer prints for sale as well. And they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to get published in magazines and getting paid for that. So I, I you know, the people that are creating this content, just like us, they're, they're investing significantly both time and money on creating these images, but it's a marketing strategy to allow others to utilize that on social media. So long as you're linking back, uh, prominently linking back to, uh, to their account and letting people know where you got it. It doesn't mean that you have to tailor the message and the content, uh, or in the caption to, Oh, hey, take take a look at this photo that so and so um, posted. You can you can craft your message to your audience how you want it, but immediately after that, put a you know photo credit and tag them with a link to credit, and then also tag them in the image as well, so that it shows up in their feed, so that they can see it. Because a lot of folks will see that they've been tagged in something, see that they've been properly credited, and they'll actually create a story for you and say, hey, you know, check out. Thank you for so-and-so, you know, thank you Western Contours for reposting my photo. And so now you're actually getting the exposure to their audience by posting their photo that you've given them credit for. It's actually a mutually beneficial uh, way of uh, sharing content. So, okay. So now say you do that and you don't get the reshare. Do you, do you stop? You know, maybe somebody no. isn't as active. So do you not use that person's content because you're not getting that reshare? So there's not that, you know what I mean? That benefit on the other side or. No, I don't, I don't think so. If it's, if it's good content, you're still getting the benefit of, of utilizing that content. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I, I know there's one individual who's not very um, active on, uh, on Instagram, but is very active on, uh, on Facebook, a photographer. And one of the accounts that I manage, I reposted, uh, I reposted their content and it's gotten over 90,000 impressions for my client. So it's been seen 90,000 times for my client by utilizing this. And that individual is not going to be on Instagram enough to, to thank them for utilizing their image, but it's been properly credited. And it's somebody that I know is okay with that image being, uh, being shared with credit. Um, <clears throat> so, okay. So we, you, you brought up Facebook a couple times. Does it matter? Does it not matter? I mean, 
you know, my understanding is that Instagram is like 10 times, um, your engagement is 10 times higher on Facebook. And what I do is I'll just, you know, I got the little toggle switch. I hit that and it posts to Facebook. Is that, you know, how does that strategy work? Is that something we should do or should, you know, be posting to Facebook separate from Instagram? No, definitely, uh, you know, using the toggle switch and, and posting to both at the same time is going to save you a lot of time. The one thing I will say is I don't find that hashtags are useful at all on Facebook. And typically they just clutter things up. So I will actually go into Facebook after posting and I will delete the hashtags out of uh, the Facebook post for every post just to clean it up a little bit, and make it easier to share. The One of the key differences in how Facebook growth happens versus how Instagram growth happens really frustrated the heck out of me at the beginning of this that I, I when I first started up on Instagram I couldn't figure out how the heck were you supposed to get your posts shared out to various people and that's part of the reason why I dove into it so so deeply and became so um, so fascinated about it um, was because I just didn't understand it at the time but with Facebook it's relatively simple um, you've got the people who follow you and then outside of that you've got groups that you belong to you can share those posts over to groups that you belong to. So if you've got a great elk photo that you posted on your account, go into your account, click on share, and then click on the drop down and go to groups, and you can share it to groups that you follow. And so long as you're not violating their rules, and they usually, each group usually has like a post up at the top that explains what their rules are. There's a number of uh, groups out there that um, that don't mind you posting from your page. And so you can, under your personal account, you can Look at look at your page, share that post over to, let's just say, Elk Assassins, for example. And you can share that post over there. And now people are seeing great content. They're seeing that it's coming from your page. They click on your page. Now you've got people viewing your page, driving up your, your views, creating followers, et cetera, et cetera. The other big difference between Instagram and Facebook is videos do much, much better on Facebook than they do on Instagram. And they always have. Uh, for driving growth, videos are, I would say, probably 10 to 20 times uh, more important on Facebook than they are over on Instagram. Um, photo versus content, right? I, and I understand, right? The photo is the first thing as people are scrolling. The photos is going to is what makes them stop on a post. Um, but how do we compare the both in this growth realm? So I, I think you, uh, I think you mean the uh, photo versus caption. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yep. So caption, caption is very useful. I, I think you're right. As people are scrolling through, you have about a fraction of a second, about three quarters of a second, to engage somebody and get them to stop and and read your uh, read your caption. So the, obviously the content is very, very important. The picture that you use is very, very important. What the caption can do is to help you drive engagement. So does the picture grab their attention? If so, does the caption that you use drive engagement? And what I mean by that is, and I hate to use this example, but I'm going to because it's ridiculously effective. Square this animal. You've seen a million of them out there. You know, what is it? What do you think this animal scores? It's like people just can't help themselves. They <laughs> have to put a number down. And so you get a post that's got a, a great big bull or a really nice buck. 
And what does this animal score? And not only do you get all the people tossing their scores out there, but also all the people comment on there about how irrelevant the score is. And every time everybody puts a comment on there, it's driving up the algorithm for that post. Whether they're for it or against it, it's like there's no bad publicity. There's no bad comment. They're, they're driving it up. And it, it's not a strategy that I like to use because it annoys a lot of people. But it's effective, too. So it's, it's like, what kind of an account do you want to have? Do you want to have an effective, annoying account? Or do you want to have an effective, uh, you know, friendly, good, you know, like to follow long-term strategy account? So I try to stay away from those a bit. Sometimes I'm genuinely curious. I think maybe like once a year I'll post up something like that. Um, just, just to see what people are thinking, particularly if it's something that I'm not very knowledgeable about. I mean, I can, within, you know, plus or minus five points, I probably have a pretty good idea what any elk post, any elk picture posted up on Instagram scores. Um, but if it's a bighorn sheep, I don't know that well. Um, and, and for the sheep hunters out there, if you ask them to age a sheep, let the comments fly. <laughs> And, and, and there's always, to me at least, there seems to be a fine line, right, between, like you said, that long-term growth and relationship versus I need to get these numbers up. And I, and, and I struggle there, right, because, again, I take it personal, and, and maybe I shouldn't. Um, but I don't want to just put something to, you know, this smack you in the face thing real fast. You know, to me, it has to be relevant to maybe my struggle on the mountain or the hunt or, you know, it, it just seems like there's a fine line there. And I think at a point, you know, it, it stifles that growth. It's really hard to go against what you value, you know, to, to see those numbers climb. It's crazy. And particularly for accounts that are reliant upon generating their own content. I mean, look at, look at Good Bull Outdoors, for example. It's harder for us to grow than it is for an account that can look at all of the content across all of Instagram and pick and choose just the absolute cream of the crop and post that onto their account and, and you know, generate that, that growth that you get by you know, sharing from multiple different accounts. We can't do that with Good Ball Outdoors because what we are about is our, our photography and our videography and, and what we're doing going out there hunting. And it's, it's about us and, and our experience. And if we post other people's content, we're not really sharing our experience now. It becomes something else. So we're actually more limited in how we're able to grow Good Bull Outdoors than some of these other accounts are. Despite that, using the strategies that we have, we're still up, I think, 53 or 54% so far this year. So you're still able to generate great growth. Um, you just have to be very diligent about it. Right. Yeah. And you guys, have, how many externals do you have at this point? Because it's been a while since we talked. <laughs> uh, what do you mean by externals? Your terabytes of uh, storage. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> somewhere around 30 terabytes of storage. I think... Uh, I think Do you have I have a whole uh, maintenance room of uh, computers now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can see it with all the. Uh... Well, like I said, I'm an IT guy, so I kind of geek out about that anyway. Yeah, that's why I was laughing earlier. I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, it, but it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, time and days. How and and for me, I'll try and post. Where, where I think I see the best engagement is, you know, sometime between like, say, th I usually go between four and six, but I think I do better right around the five o'clock mark when I post something. So how does, how did time and it's, and Saturdays kind of, yeah. 
How does that affect it? Okay, so you're posting every day, so it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, let let me take it from, I'll give you two different perspectives. The first one is a small account who doesn't have time and they're only posting once a day. They're hitting that, what I call the the bare minimum. So, So let's say, for example, you've got time to post once a day when do I want to post? You, you actually have the ability, if you've got a business account, to go into the analytics. And I'll see if I can't walk through. Like I'm, I'm looking at, well, I got to look at my own account here. But if you, right underneath your name, if you're looking at, uh, you know, if you're looking at the name and then you can see the number of profile visits that you have. If you click, if you click on your profile visits, you'll see your insights, which is the, contents, the content tab, the activity tab, and the audience tab. And if you tap on the audience tab and scroll all the way down, you have hours and you have days and you can switch between them. And most people, if they take a look at it, you'll see that the days are actually relatively flat. One particular day isn't generally better than the other. But if you take a look. Oh, Lauren. Others? Oh, there you go. I lost you for a sec. Are you there? Yes, I got you now. I lost you for a brief second there. All right. Where, where'd you lose me at? The, the uh, hours and days? Or? Yes, sir. Right at hours and days. Okay. So if you look at the hours, if you look at the days tab underneath the follower section, you'll notice that it's relatively flat, meaning that no one particular day is much better than another. But if you take a look at the hours tab, you'll actually see there's a pronounced spike when your traffic, when your followers start coming online. So if I look at mine, um, I've got 2,300 that are online at 12 a.m. I've got 2,000 that are online at 3 a.m. Then it spikes up to 6,500, then 7,700, then 8,400. Then it drops down to 8,200 after the lunch hour. Then it spikes up to 8,700 and then down to 7,900 before dropping off again after uh, after people go to bed. So for me, based on the time that I regularly post, and this is pretty important, you can change these metrics based on how you post. If you always post at 3 a.m., you will start seeing a change in that 3 a.m. number start to spike up and the rest of your numbers start to come down. Okay. Yeah, so how you post impacts um, when people see your stuff. Now, that being said, when are most people online? Most people are going to be online first thing in the morning when they're getting ready to go to work. They're going to be online around the lunch hour and they're going to be around, uh, they're going to be online when they're coming, uh, when they're getting off of work. So if you take a look at those three different time frames, where should you post? If you're going to be posting once a day, you need to keep in mind that that post has an active life of about four to six hours. What I mean by an active life is the second you post it, your post scores the highest in the algorithm. Every second that you're online with that post, the timing score that you get in the algorithm, the Instagram algorithm, starts dropping. So the longer you're on, the lower that thing goes down. And so you've got really an ideal four to six hour window of when you can show up. So you want the most number of people online within that four to six hour window after you post. So if I look at at mine, for example, right now, so I've got 8,400 at the noon hour. I've got 8,200 at the three o'clock hour and I've got 8,700 at the six o'clock hour. So that 8,700 is my highest frequency, but I also drop off pretty fast after nine o'clock. So what I would ideally do is I would post at four o'clock if I was going to do it once a day. And so I'd catch some of that three to three to five 
uh, time frame, I'd hit the spike at six o'clock of the people getting off of work, and I'd still stay strong through the through the dinner time, and then start dropping off around the time that my people are dropping, my followers are dropping off. Yeah, I'm looking at mine right now, so it's on Wednesday. So noon and then 6 p.m. for me. But 6 p.m. is, you know, I'd say 5 to 6 is typically when I post. That's where I have my highest. And then what about yep, the so you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What about the shading, right? So some of these, you know, I got a, not a dark blue, but it's, you know, a lot darker than, like, is that a representation of my frequency of posting? It's a representation of the numbers. It's something called conditional formatting, which is if you take a look at Excel, you actually have the option in Excel of doing conditional formatting, which says relative to other numbers, how does this one score? And if this one, if the numbers in this particular category are higher than the relative amount, I want you to shade it this color or that color. So in this case, they're all shaded blue, um, ones that score low are lighter blue and ones that score high are darker blue. So the darker the blue, the the more people are are online, the more of your followers are online during that time. Kind of scrolling through this. I don't really look at the insights and stuff. Content. So how important is like the content page, right? You just, it, it just really tells you what, what's getting the most views or the most eyes on it, huh? It is, which is important for you for curating content for your audience. So if you take a look at, you know, what's getting the most impressions, what's doing well, this this tab helps you figure out uh, which hashtag strategy is working well. It's not even necessarily about the image itself. If you take two relatively similar images, you know, which one is, is and you use two different hashtag strategies for them, which one does better? If you're posting at the same time each day, then you're eliminating that as one of the variables that you can use. But over time, you'll start to see if you compare two different hashtags, which hashtag strategy is performing better than the other one. And, and so that's that A-B testing that I talked about that we do. So for example, with the elk hashtags, we have two different hashtags, hashtag one, hashtag two. And we will post good posts to each one and see how they do. And then we'll flip the times that we post because we're posting multiple times a day. So when we flip that, we we change the hashtags, uh, which one we post in the morning, which one we post in the afternoon. And we say, okay, now based on regardless whether it's posted in the morning or posted in the afternoon, which hashtag strategy is working better. And we keep the good hashtag strategy alone and we go back and we make modifications to the other hashtag strategy, trying to improve that one, trying to make that one better than the than the original one that we kept. And before I forget, before I forget about it, um, I, I mentioned that you know I, I talked about posting once a day. Well, what happens if you post three times a day or or twice a day? What do you do then? So again, you've got that four to six hour window with four hours being the, the highest engagement period. So if I'm posting three times a day, based on those numbers to you earlier, I'm posting at uh, ten o'clock, two o'clock, and six o'clock, and that basically means that I'm covered in the high engagement section of the entire day. So every day posting three times a day, if I do it at 10 o'clock, two o'clock and six o'clock, I basically hit my entire spectrum of followers. And then stories, we, which we really didn't touch on much. So the story post, how, how does that affect numbers and... Yeah, so stories are stories definitely do have some impact on the overall algorithm. And 
my understanding of it is that if you regularly post, it doesn't have to necessarily be every day, but if you post it at least three times a week to your stories, it tends to drive up the overall algorithm. And it says, you know, these are additional engagements that you're, audience is getting and therefore you're since you're more engaged with your audience you're using more of the tools on instagram we're going to basically give you like a a bonus on the on the algorithm that we use to determine who sees what content sorry the the silence folks is me uh writing stuff down (laughs) 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 so I did ask some questions or ask for some questions in, in case uh, anyone is trying to figure this out and, and grow their, their platform here. Let me get to them. I should have wrote them down. Um, I did a couple. So Ripper LF 35. Um, <laughs> here's, here's one that has nothing to do with, did the Colorado elk rut kick off late? <laughs> No, that actually, believe it or not, it started early. Um, so we actually saw the first full rutting activity on August 15th this year. Um, we have video and photographs of a, a bull that was wallowing and herding cows up on August 15th. Yeah, which, I mean, seems kind of ridiculously early. That's like, what, at least like a week and a half earlier than, than, we've, uh, than we've seen previously. Um, but I, what I would say is it, it didn't start later, but it drug on longer. It, it's almost like the, the peak rest still happened around September 20th, like it always does. But it's almost like there was less of a gap in between the first rut and the second rut. Like, I mean, around October 8th, I mean, we had 30 bulls bugling and screaming their heads off and chasing 200 cows around a meadow. Yeah, that's and that's kind of what I experienced was... It came in late in the area we were in. Uh, we had hot, you know, it was super hot. And it was just like, man, they're not screaming. The bugles are barely happening. Um, we had, you know, we saw one bull herding cows. And it was just like, man. And I heard a lot of people saying, you know, oh, we think it was late. You guys are out there more than anybody I know. So we'll go with it. Um Let's see. And then make it happen outdoors. He said, just tell them we love what they're doing. So I'm sure everybody concurs with that, man. It, it feeds that, uh, stokes that fire year round. Sometimes it's aggravating. <laughs> yeah. Make, make it happen outdoors. One of those guys that, uh, that, you know, reach out to us on, uh, you know, on uh, direct message and, uh, and we kind of helped him through some things on their Instagram account. And it's like I said, it's something that we've been, been doing for lots of folks for free. And, um, you know, they were able to utilize some of the ticks, uh, you know, tips and tricks that, that I was able to pass along that we've been talking about today. And they use some of those and they've actually seen some pretty good growth on that one. So I appreciate them reaching out to you on that one and, and letting you know that they've, they've gotten some value from some of the information that we've offered. And like I said, free of charge, it's, it's not something that we're, you know, we're, while I am trying to, you know, create a business here, uh, I'm also more than happy to help outdoors accounts grow because at the end of the day, the stronger we all are, the stronger the industry is. Absolutely. So Davo underscore eight, two, three, should there be a different approach for a product versus a service? Yes and no. Um, I would say that, you know, the, the basic tenants all hold the frequency of your posting, the, um, uh, you know, the, the 
types of content that you're using. Obviously, you want to use the best content that you can get your hands on. Um, what I really think that the differences are is how you engage with your with your clientele. If you've got a product, uh, you're, you want to try to um, you want to try to showcase that product and, and people that are actually utilizing your content with uh, you know creating content for you that are showing the success of your product and how you're utilizing it. Um, uh, the guys over at uh, Velvelock, for example, um, they they created a uh, product that is a, a velvet locking technology that, that basically allows you to uh, put on uh, velvet antlers that you've harvested. And after it, after it dries and cures, it means you don't have to do any scraping or anything like that, or, you, you know, you don't have to do any of the injections or anything like that on the, on the, uh, on the velvet itself in order to cure it. So they've got this, they've got this great product that they've developed and they've put it out in the hands of taxidermists and, and have given out a whole bunch of free bottles for people to use. An account like that that has a great product, they need to be showcasing uh, testimonials from people saying, you know, hey, here's, here's an example of, you know, I've actually utilized this product. And this thing saved me a ton of time because I didn't have to, you know, put needles in and, and flush the blood out of the, the velvet in order to cure it with, you know, formaldehyde or whatever else that doesn't smell good. You know, I was able to utilize this product, let it dry naturally. And it saved me a ton of time. That's that's how you can sell a uh, sell a product. Utilize your customers' pictures, and now you're doing two things: you're you're creating a customer base, but you're also creating loyalty uh, with those, as well as customers that are you know new people that want to come in and try this product. It's, they're not taking your word for it; they're taking uh, other people's words for it, and and people who are loyal to you now because you've created a great product that they utilize and that they want to tell their friends about. A service, on the other hand, um, you want to actually show the service that you're offering. So it becomes less about necessarily customer testimonials and more about the service that you're offering. So, you know, for us, if we're, you know, videoing a hunt, it becomes less about customer testimonial as it does what's the end product that we're delivering to that customer as a service. Um, so we have one here. I'm going to answer this one. Uh, ask them why they're such a damn good looking couple. And I'm going to say it's all alley, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Agree with you. 100%. <laughs> that was sent in by good bull outdoors. <laughs> he, he's got the camera ready face all the time. He literally rolls out of bed and has, you know, the, the mountain man, you know, good looks going on right away. <laughs> um, let's see. Nate Anderson. Yeah, that was, that was a good question. I, I'm sure whoever sent that into you is, you know, a damn fine, smart individual. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Nate Anderson. What's a good weight to put on a bow? 20, 30 or 40 pounds. I'm not sure where that one's coming from, but, uh, yeah, Nate. I don't. I can't tell. Looks like it might be a, might be a kid there. And buddy, I'm gonna say that's what you could pull back and you progress to those heavier weights. Yeah, there's a lot of bows out there that have um, a really wide range. Um, just off the top of my head, I know that uh, Bear Archery makes a bow that has uh, like a starting weight of five pounds, and I think goes all the way up to sixty or sixty-five pounds. So if there's any young archers that are listening to this podcast, um, you know, they're wondering about getting a bow that has different draw weights. You know, you don't have to just be stuck with 10 or 20 pounds or some that have as much as, you know, 50 or 60 pounds of adjustability in the draw weight. 
perfect. Uh, barbells and bullets. Is it a great picture or caption with substance more important or mix of both? So we kind of talked about that a bit. Yeah, I think we did. And, you know, I, I, I think if you don't have a, a good picture, people are going to scroll right by it. And it, again, a good picture is, you know, it's, it's what's in the eyes of the beholder. Um, there have been a few times when I thought I had a, a really great, a really interesting picture and put it up there and it, and it bombed. And I had other times where I put up a picture that, yeah, was maybe like a B or a B plus picture and it took off for some reason. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the, the final arbiter of what's great. There's, you know, other people have uh, opinions on that. And sometimes what I think is great isn't and, and, you know, test your audience out with different things and don't be afraid to experiment a little bit. Again, this is, this is marketing and that AB testing is, uh, is very valuable to understand what it is that your, that your audience wants from you. Um, but also stay true to yourself. That's very important. Don't, don't put content out there just because, you know, you want people to like it. If it's, if it's not you, don't put it out there. Exactly. That's my big one. Uh, Amy Hall Hunter, um, asked what's the ratio of on task and personal that is the perfect mix Ooh, that's a great question um, i'm going to say it it depends on what you're trying to do with your account so uh, an account like yours i would say i'd probably go with about a 50 50 mix um actually for years for western contours i would say um one third one third one third um i would do one third about your podcast, I would do one third about you as an individual and I would do one third curated content from others. Um, obviously I feel like good bull probably doesn't do enough, um, talking about us. I, I think we kind of started getting into it for a while where we did, um, Instagram live sessions where people could actually see our face and hear from us and, and on a semi-regular basis actually have genuine interaction with us. Um, I think we need to get back to that a little bit. I'm, um, I keep going back and forth on whether or not I'm an introvert or extrovert. I haven't really figured it out yet. <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter when you're so damn good looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, if you're thinking such, you're probably like a closeted semi-introvert, but your extrovert's just, you know, jumping out all the time. I've tested differently on Myers-Briggs depending on when I've taken it. I was, after all, a, a database administrator and programmer. I was literally the geek who had five computers under my desk running uh, queries and programs on financial system databases. Jeez. <laughs> that, all I'm going to say is that takes a special man. You know, to, to, to make it okay. Use those big words. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was the the list of questions that we had. Um, I think we touched on a bunch of that stuff, man. Let me see. I'm gonna go through my notes before we before I say we wrap. Um, videos, photos versus content or caption. So ultimately, okay, that's one thing we didn't talk about is the buying of followers. Um, To me, there's there's two different realms of that, right? There's the Lorne or the Good Bull way. And then there is this unfollow, follow, unfollow, follow, $100 a month. To me, it seems like a willy-nilly waste of money, but that's my opinion of it. Yeah, those buying followers, you know, there's some accounts that 
you know, you can pay like, I think $69 a month and have somebody manage your account. And the way that they do that is, is not through, not through practices that are, that are going to get you, you know, long-term success. You can go out there and you can, you can buy followers. And, uh, you know, I, I originally, when I started, uh, you know, trying to figure out the algorithms and all that, I tried to figure out why some accounts were so big when they had absolutely pathetic following, pathetic engagement, I should say. Um, I remember seeing an account that had like 75,000 followers and they were lucky to get a hundred likes a post. And yeah, great. You've got 75,000 followers, but you know, none of them are real, obviously. So what good did it do you? Um, so, so you're paying this company to do fake comments and, and fake likes and you're, you're violating Instagram's terms and um, you know, you're going to end up getting your account booted off of uh, you know, booted off of Instagram and, and you're going to put all this money out there for nothing. Um, and really what it came down to for us is it's completely contrary to why we're even on Instagram in the first place. We're out there to engage with the outdoors industry um, in a meaningful way. And it's, it's not just this superficial, you know, liking people so that they like us. It's to help everybody grow in, in their experience on social media because we want to actually have engagement with these people. We've, we've met so many people at different, uh, out, you know, out, like the Western Conservation Hunting Expo, um, at, at the Denver uh, International Sports Expo. Um, we want to go to the Backcountry Hunters uh, Rendezvous this year. Um, you know, it's, it's more about meeting actual people and having real engagement with people. And, and we've actually created great friends online that we never would have met otherwise if we didn't have Instagram. So, you know, paying for sponsored advertising, I I think there's, I think if you have a product to sell, I think there's some benefit there. Um, and and I can tell you right now that uh, like one of my clients, um, before I took them on, they paid, um, a dollar 55 per hundred reach. So for every hundred accounts that they reached, they paid a dollar fifty-five, and and that was based on a hundred dollar spend and, and the number of accounts that they reached. And I've gotten them to the point now with the, the amount of reach that they have, um, they've crossed over a hundred thousand reach every week um, after six weeks of being with me. And and previously, um, I want to say that they were somewhere on the order of about uh, fifteen thousand reach. So in six weeks, they went from fifteen thousand to a hundred thousand a week. And the cost of my service, while being much higher than, um, you know, than the paid advertising they used where they reached a few, um, and higher than one of these like sixty-nine or hundred-dollar a month accounts, uh, you know, that that do that follow-unfollow crap and and end up, you know, getting people to hate you, um, it ended up driving their their cost per reach down to about uh, twenty-five cents uh, per hundred rather than a dollar fifty-five. Wow. And going back to it, it's actual engagement, it's relationship building, and it's in the realm that they want to be in, not, you know, bots, or I don't know anything about the bots, but I know Instagram attacked the heck out of them. And you saw people that had had 15,000 followers losing, you know, 100, 200 followers a day earlier this year because of that stuff. Um and, you know, it goes back to those relationships, man. I guess it's how personally do you want it to be? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you a specific example, right? So so we started, um, we actually uh, signed a, a corporate relationship with uh, Colorado Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And we're managing their account as a donation uh, to Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So we're, we're donating our time and our services at our top level, uh, our top level tier for them. 
and and driving up their account. And and like I said, they're one that we've gone from, I think, 1,900 followers up to about 6,800 followers. And, um, you know, they're, they're a great nonprofit that we're very happy to support. Um, but they were doing a, uh, they were doing a, a, a night out, what they called campfire stories. So they had rented a, a theater. They had people giving uh, donations that they could do for giveaways. And because of the increased reach that we were able to provide for them, uh, we were able to get different people to message in on Instagram and say, Hey, I'd love to be able to participate in this. I'll donate a half day uh, guided fly fishing trip as part of your giveaway. And so now you've got a nonprofit who is directly benefiting from increased engagement um, that we were able to provide. And that never would have happened if it was bot followers or if it was, you know, these bots that are following and unfollowing. You, you simply wouldn't have that kind of engagement. But it's, it's genuine engagement from people who actually care about the account that they're engaging with and actually meaningfully reaching out and, and partnering. We had, um, we had an individual who works at the BLM reach out and say they want to help out BHA in their, in their region within Colorado. Um, so these are these are real people that are boots on the ground that are helping conservation as a result of doing this. So, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and and you know another thing that we've been able to do is you know it's not just social media that we've been able to engage with these people like uh, Colorado uh, BHA. Um, Allie's done a great job on uh, creating uh, like marketing media for them as well. So we've taken some of our images and combined it with. Uh, with some content that they've created to generate flyers for them. And that's another service that we offer as well as, you know, creating flyers for events or marketing material or, uh, you know, anything like that. And, and we've, we've been uh, working with a lot of nonprofits to do that. She even created a billboard for, uh, for BHA recently and a conservation uh, plug that I'll do for BHA. I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, Trump's appointment of uh, William Penley to the, uh, to the BLM. Um, they're working BHA Colorado BHA is working on putting a billboard up in Grand Junction where the BLM office has been transferred from Washington DC um, you know asking uh, you know asking people to uh, you know contact their senators and congressmen and and try to get Penley removed from this appointment because he is you know against uh, public ownership of public land so these are these are things that Ali has worked with them on, and um, and that's that's another form of reach that that we've been able to utilize Instagram for is, um, you know, getting people out there in the real world outside of social media. People are actually seeing these things like uh, the campfire stories. We printed off uh, four by six uh, flyers and put them in businesses all over uh, all over the Colorado Springs area for people to, to attend that campfire story. Real relationships and real effect that yeah and and we don't unfortunately we don't i don't know at large that we think of it that way right because it's about the double taps and you know how many likes and followers we have but there's real effect that can come from social media right real good real positive oh yeah i I would definitely say that our lives have been you know more enriched by the connections that we've made through Instagram. Oh yeah. I can, I'll contest to that on my end. Perfect. Well, as per usual, I appreciate, uh, both of you and I appreciate your time. Um, I'm going to, I've been kind of plugging away a little bit here and there (laughs) as I'm watching the post and you giving the, you know, strategies, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give this a full go and see if I can't drive this thing up a little bit. 
So I, I've got I've got one other thing that I didn't want to let go before we close the loop on it. Okay. You you mentioned how difficult it was for you to continue posting while you were away during elk season. Yes. You used to not have this functionality, but Facebook has now released something called uh, Facebook Creator Studio, and you can now on your computer schedule posts for Instagram. Uh, we've been we've been experimenting with it a little bit over the last week, and uh, we've been able to successfully schedule out posts and have them post at the time that we want on the day that we want. And I think for I think for one of the one of the accounts that I manage, I've got it scheduled like five five uh, five days out, where every day it's automatically posting to both Facebook and Instagram at the time that I designate. And so I was able to sit down all at once on the computer and get all those set up and ready to go. And then it's going to go ahead and take care of all this for me um, without me jumping online and taking care of it. So the next time I end up in a hunting camp, which hopefully will be soon, uh, I won't have to worry about whether or not my posts are going out, whether or not I've got cell service. That I'm all over that. I had tried one of those. Ah, what, I forget the name of it. But it, it would drive me crazy because it was, you know, I'd schedule the post and then it would hit me back. Do you want this post, you know, right you know, right as it's supposed to go, do you want to post? Do you still want to post this? That's what it would ask. And it's like, well, what's the point of this? <laughs> so, yeah, so they used to not have a passive posting capability on Instagram. You had to actively post, and that was that product's means of getting, uh, of being compliant with Instagram's policy about um, not, uh, not scheduling posts. Uh, another rule. Yep, but because this is through Facebook, which now owns Instagram, they've created that capability to do that within this Facebook Creator Studio. Awesome! Yeah, I'm all over that one. That'll that will definitely make my life easier. So I'm a, right now. I'm going to commit myself to two a day, and I'm going to go at I think I'm going to go at noon, just looking at my numbers, and I'm going to go 5 p.m. And I think that uh, yeah. Or should I go? No, I should probably go a little earlier than noon, huh? To cover that time. Go 11 o'clock. Yep. Perfect. Well, you guys, you know, I'll, uh, I'll be checking in with you on it. (laughs) Either I'm going to stick to it or I'm going to go crazy. One or the other. It is the hardest thing. Do this as well. Make, make sure you do this as well. This will, this will really help you as far as feeling like the time investment is worth it. Start, start tracking your metrics. If you just if you just write down even a few metrics, even just like if you just did total reach, total impressions, and total followers, just those three things. If you just did those three things on a weekly basis, every Monday, capture those and and keep track of them. If it if you don't have time to put it in a spreadsheet, put it in a note on your on your phone, and just track them as you start posting twice a day, seven days a week, and track that for just start tracking it for a month and see what the improvement is. It, it's it's going to go up and down probably at first, like the first few days. And then all of a sudden you're going to start to notice it's like uh, it's like an escalator going up and you're going to start seeing a dramatic improvement. Isn't it crazy? I mean, it's still, in, it, it impresses me how important it is to us. I mean, outside of the marketing part of it, but man, it's just blue faces everywhere. It's something else. 
<laughs> something else it's still yeah I, I have trouble with it but anyhow i will let you guys go um i appreciate it this has been great it's been educational beyond belief to me um and yeah hopefully uh folks can take away with it um why don't you guys drop the good bull stuff for the folks that you know want to get a hold of you and talk to you about it or you know get on the uh get on the program with you there if you have available yeah, space definitely. for clients yeah, definitely. So uh, we do uh, social media management. If you reach out to me, uh, DM on uh, on Instagram or PM on uh, on Facebook, um, I'll be more than happy to answer your questions, send you out a price list, give you a list of the services that we offer. I've got a, a, a quick little image that I can send out to anybody that wants it to, to get an understanding of you know what it is that we charge and what it is that we do. And um, you know, if you take a look, uh, I've started up kind of a Metrics Monday on Instagram, so you can see some of our clients and see some of the the benefit that they've realized by uh, by having us manage their social media. Our our latest client um, was up 118 percent in followers in just six weeks, and that included an increase in 1,200 percent in reach, and 1,200 percent in profile visits, and 1,300 percent in clicks through to their website um, in just six weeks' time. So you know if you're if you're looking at uh, really growing your Instagram account, I'm more than happy to give you the information to do it yourself. But if you need somebody to post for you, um, I, I do charge for that service and I do a, a bang up job, especially on Instagram. Um, you can find uh, Good Ball Outdoors. We sell photographic prints. We do video. Um, uh, we've got a list of services out there, but we uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Good Ball Outdoors. And if you want to sit down and listen to a, a, another uh, another helping of uh, you know listening to how to grow your social media account, check out our YouTube page. If you scroll down there a little bit, you can find a two-hour recorded live Instagram session that we did a while back um, that lists a lot of these tips and tricks and answers questions on on how to grow uh, your social media following. I think we might also uh, re re-record that in the different sections too to make it easier. Um, for the viewers. Okay. And if you guys want to send me that link, I'll include that in the show notes uh, as well. Yeah. So they have the direct yeah, link as they listen. Okay, perfect. Um, one, one other thing to add in, um, we do have a, a partnership with Onyx and they are giving us a lifetime membership to the Onyx Hunt app uh, for one of our lucky followers. And we will be announcing it on Instagram and Facebook starting October 28th a giveaway for a lifetime membership to that, uh, to that on X Save me 14 bucks a month. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> Perfect. You could, you could get Netflix with that. Yeah. That's uh, sure. that's pretty good. That's a, that's a good giveaway right there. Lifetime. Lifetime. Yeah. Lifetime membership. Um, there, uh, we've been uh, we've been fortunate to be working with uh, with Onyx for a while. Uh, we've been a longtime customer of Onyx. We actually um, started off with the with, with the download that we put up on our uh, on our Garmin GPS a long long time ago. And um, uh, I was actually you know one of the first ones using when all they had was Montana uh, as their location. And of course they expanded out from that. But uh, we've been using them really since the inception of Onyx and. Um, last couple of years that we we ended up on their Onyx influencer team, and uh, 
you know, we've been obviously big fans of the application. It's uh, we've we've got a lot of a uh, lot of beer, uh, beer and antelope and elk because of uh, because of that app, and um, it's it's been great for us. And uh, we're we're pleased that they were able to uh, you know offer this up for us for a, a giveaway to try to you know drive some people to using their their application. We strongly recommend it. But uh, you know, for somebody to have a chance to win a lifetime membership, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, heck yeah! I mean, and I I have the full ride the premium whatever they call it at this point so man that's a that's a heck of a savings yeah definitely so perfect well lauren alley um yeah again thank you very much and uh yeah we'll be talking to you guys yeah thank you so much for having us absolutely yeah, appreciate it guy my pleasure thank you for listening Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, Check out SasquatchFuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to SasquatchFuel.com. Hey guys, enter code WESTERNCONTOURS at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.